we wanted to make this like a cool place just that the kids would say i live at finch and be proud of it because i think you know where people live it impacts how they think about their whole lives and you know it's a safe haven and so we really wanted to create that here as well hello i'm kim vermeer host of green in action the podcast where we celebrate green leadership in affordable housing you just heard from jane carbone finch developer I'm the Director of Development at Homeowners Rehab in Cambridge. We're a housing nonprofit developer that has been around for about over 40 years doing housing development in Cambridge. For this episode of Green in Action, we stayed close to home. We're excited to have Jane and her collaborator, architect Michelle Apigian, share the story of Finch, a new affordable housing development in densely developed Cambridge, Massachusetts. I'm Michelle Pigian. I'm an associate principal at Icon Architecture. We are a woman-owned, Boston-based design firm focused on sustainable community uh, at a variety of scales and a variety of project types. Homeowners Rehab and Icon Architecture work together on Finch, which is the largest new construction affordable development in Cambridge in the last 40 years. We wanted to achieve a very highly efficient new construction development. And so Finch became our prototype and it's 98 units. It's on the Fresh Pond on Concord Ave in the Fresh Pond neighborhood of Cambridge. And it's a mixture of family housing. So it's one, two and three bedroom units. And uh, we have about 242 residents there. It's all affordable. Finch offers much needed housing and is special in many ways. Not only is it affordable, it's also very green. And to prove it, the project achieved Enterprise Green Communities and Passive House certification. Jane also decided to pursue FitWell certification to keep health as a priority for the team. The Green in Action team, Clara Kaufman, Carl Isaac Krulowicz, and I, took a field trip across the Charles River to check out this ambitious project in person. Ah, we're walking the path at Fresh Pond, the reservation right across the street from Finch. Today it's windy, but it's so beautiful to be out in nature. And it's so close to Finch and near a busy street, but we can very quickly get to a place where it's quiet and calm and we're near out in nature. After a walk by the pond, we crossed the street to meet up with Jane and with Dan Tompkins, the senior property manager at Finch. Oh, hi, Dan. Nice to meet you, nice too. To meet you. Nice to meet you, too. So Dan said he would help us with the tour. Oh, awesome. Awesome. One of the first stops on our tour was the lobby. Beautiful. Oh, here we are in the beautiful lobby of Finch. Yeah, fantastic lobby. Just really nice, beautiful artwork on the main wall nice tile floor and a stairwell up to the second story the building is beautifully designed inside and out we loved seeing it in person as jane and dan led us through the building it really felt like the finch development team had done it all even accomplishing goals that might seem to be at odds 
So we're trying to marry all these issues that are on a more global sense and try to identify and make an impact on a smaller scale on this development. Our developments are just beautiful places to live. And I think we took a lot of the stigma of what people think of affordable housing by showing people, you know, what our developments look like. Through collaboration and persistence, the team was able to build that scale in a very tight land market, meeting city and budget requirements. They developed a building using both green and health certifications. They prioritized accessing nature and creating generous common spaces available to all residents, even in a dense urban setting. And not to mention that they opened Finch in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. Join me on this episode of Green in Action to learn how Homeowners Rehab and Icon Architecture were able to build this ambitious project by working together to reconcile these tensions, achieving more than they could have imagined when they began. HRI faced challenges from the start. Just building an affordable housing development in Cambridge is difficult, where there's very little space for new development. But as Jane explained, The city of Cambridge has the affordable housing overlay, which is the opportunity that you can create housing in any neighborhood in Cambridge. With the support of the city, HRI had the opportunity to acquire the sites of a former gas station and a landscaping supply company in North Cambridge. Under development pressure from the biotech industry and luxury housing developers, many industrial companies in that neighborhood are closing and selling their properties. Next, once they owned the land, it was on to entitlements. The city has progressive building and zoning codes that require a lot from developers. Michelle shared how those codes impacted climate resilience. We wanted to get the building base elevation for even the lobby, but certainly the residences above the 2070 floodplain. And this was important for resilience. It's important to the city. It's clearly important to the residents. But we also had a certain unit count that, you know, really made everything work. And so we had to lift the building, but we needed to be just under a certain height in terms of the building code. Figuring out how to build above the floodplain, but below the building code height limit required creative thinking, both for design and for the budget. They had to consider parking requirements too. In Cambridge, the rule is to provide one parking spot for every unit in a project, but they didn't have room for a 100-unit parking garage. We could show data that show that in this population, people use fewer cars and rely more on public transportation. So they granted that relief. And then the city is really trying to promote alternative transportation. So with that reduction in parking, you know, there's a requirement to have one-for-one bike parking. With the reduction of car parking requirements, the team was able to provide 101 bike parking spots instead. They also agreed to provide a van shuttle to the nearby Alewife MBTA transit station. The city also had a new resiliency standard to combat the problem of combined sewer overflow during severe rainstorms. By requiring on-site waste storage, the chance of sewage mixing with rainwater during a big storm is reduced. 
And we had to create an 8,000 gallon storage tank to collect waste in the event of a storm event. And then we have another Coltec system to collect rainwater. And, and those are you know, very expensive elements to design and to build and to maintain. And the city has been very generous in helping us support and fund those improvements that we're making. And again, because you know, that is impacting their climate goals and the climate resilience measures that you know, they want to have for new construction in the neighborhood and in the whole city. A robust community engagement process throughout planning and permitting helped to secure the support of the city and the Concord Highland neighborhood. Getting the community involved early on, getting their ideas, and then creating a, a really good housing development that not only works for the people that are going to live there, but also the neighborhood as well. With all these challenges of planning and permitting, the team had their work cut out for them. But Homeowners Rehab is committed to building green on every project. They are not resting on their laurels. In our last new construction project, we achieved LEED Platinum, but Finch gave us the opportunity to go a little further HRI wanted to build a project that was both sustainable and health-oriented. They decided to pursue Enterprise Green Communities and FitWell certification. FitWell is a health-centered design rating system. In order to do that, all the project partners had to be on board with that mission. But Michelle knew what she was signing up for. We'd worked with HRI before, and so, you know, at every step, they were raising the bar, and we wanted to join them in that endeavor. So it's sort of high performance and meet all the goals, but let's make sure that we can afford to build it, right? And that's, that ultimately is the balancing act. HRI also hired a contractor early on, NEI General Contracting, a firm they had worked with on prior projects. We were lucky in that I think NEI was with us. They understood our goals and they were pricing it with sincerity, uh, which I think is really important. In pursuing their climate resilience goals, the team focused on using passive house design principles as their benchmark for going above and beyond green communities' requirements. Passive house requires a well-insulated building envelope and really good ventilation, and as a result, it needs very little heating and cooling, so buildings are very energy efficient. From the get-go, my goal was to design it as close to passive house as we could, recognizing that there might be a cost premium and this project needed to be able to get built. So aim high and see if we're able to get there um, by being really laser focused on what's critical to achieving a passive house level building, a really truly low energy building that's airtight. As Michelle described, Initially, they were more concerned with building an energy-efficient building rather than achieving an official Passive House certification, something that can be challenging to accomplish. We incorporated many features that we called Stealth Passive House, but then the opportunity came up to go Passive House certified through the Mass CEC grant program. So we were in construction documents and we kind of switched gears to design to passive house standards. 
But with the Mass Clean Energy Center's Passive House pilot program funding, the team was able to make that leap and get Passive House certified. While a stealth approach to certification can be useful, both Jane and Michelle agree that in most cases, it's better to get certified for real. That's how you are going to know that the building that's you know, on paper is really being designed and then the end goal of operations will not be problematic. Testing and verification is critical and having a third party, you know, do some of that quality control. Certification is the best way to ensure that that happens. You know, a really enlightened owner or a team with experience could probably do without certification, but you still can't do without all the testing and everything else that's required <laughs> to get certified. So if you're gonna do that, then I would just say go all the way. But before the Passive House certification became a reality, in order to meet their healthy housing goals, the team had decided to pursue a FitWell certification. FitWell is a rating system from the Center for Active Design that addresses health as an interconnected system. The Center for Active Design had sort of a checklist on how to make your developments more active and, you know, making staircases attractive, adding artwork or adding additional lighting, more windows, creating space for programs and classes. And so they partnered with Fitwell and developed this certification. In designing Finch, they designed for Fitwell standards like occupant safety, access to healthy foods, increased physical activity, community health, and general feelings of well-being. I think it's really important for us to not just provide housing for the resident, but also create opportunities to improve the health and wellness of our residents. And, and a lot of times in the past, you know, people have had high levels of asthma due to poor indoor air quality or poor materials. And I think, you know, we are trying to create housing that doesn't have those health impacts. Providing common areas that benefited all residents was crucial to community health. Folks might have their kids studying in a study nook while someone's doing laundry and someone else is out in the garden on the roof deck. We created a meandering pathway around the property with a little pocket park, access to larger open space and alternative transportation. So we have the bike parking. We also have equipment for people to change their tires and, you know, pump up the air in their tires and just maintain their bikes. We have a farmer's market that comes to the property so that we could have it in the lobby um, for residents or we could have it upstairs in the community room. Active design is a mindset of creating an environment inside and outside the building where people are encouraged to move and walk, not take the simple solution, the elevator, for example, and they're given opportunities to do that that are pleasant, and that's what encourages them to do it. So Jane had a real vision that the lobby needed an open stair that would connect into the building and be visible far before you got to the elevator. But Passive House and Fitwell don't always play nicely together. Passive House standards require an airtight building envelope, but Fitwell looks for inviting open spaces and encouraging physical connection between those spaces. Those priorities seem incompatible. The passive house works because it's airtight and therefore separate on some level, and yet we want a deep connectivity in the building, whether it physical connectivity, visual connectivity. So how to create a sense of openness 
and bringing people through the space while maintaining an airtight boundary was a real challenge. Jane wanted the lobby to be open and inviting, a place where they could host farmers markets and community events. But that openness wasn't going to work with passive house requirements. At many points when people are moving in or out, the doors are just going to be wide open and whatever's happening is going to be flying into the lobby. And we wanted to make sure that that wasn't affecting what's happening in the residential portion of the building. The team resolved this by defining the line of the passive house envelope very clearly and excluding the lobby from that envelope. A team approach was critical to tackling those complexities. We really wanted to create a development that was more resilient as well as sustainable. And Passive House really creates those features. There are active design features incorporated in the building, so people take the stairs rather than the elevator. And we wanted to not just build a building, but create, in essence, moments where people could connect with the environment. After the break, we'll hear more about the design decisions the team made to make the green features a reality. Check out the book that inspired the Green in Action podcast. Get my book, Blueprint for Greening Affordable Housing, to learn more about how organizations across the country are taking action to create sustainable communities and how you can too. Walker Wells and I wrote the book with real-world practitioners in mind. It's a comprehensive resource on how to incorporate green building principles into affordable housing, from the very beginning of a project, through construction, and into operations. My favorite part of the book writing process was meeting the people and hearing the stories behind the book's 14 case studies, from New Hampshire to California. Buy the book today at our publisher's website, islandpress.org, or at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or an independent bookstore near you. Now let's get back to the show. Creating an environment where residents can connect with each other and with staff always takes thoughtfulness, but the team carefully considered green fundamentals too, like excellent ventilation. The building has a balanced energy recovery, or ERV, system that turned out to be very important in addressing health needs during the pandemic. I'm just delighted that we have an ERV that's providing continuous balanced ventilation to every unit, to every major space in every unit, and exhausting continuously. And there's no overlap in that air. And so, you know, these are MERV 13 filters. As we read, the ongoing evolution of the CDC's recommendations, we've got what they're recommending. And that, you know, that comes from a passive house approach. Um, so I just, I feel great about that. It is not okay to tighten up our buildings without having continuous intentional balanced ventilation. I cannot say it enough. When deciding on heating and cooling systems, in addition to resident comfort, Jane wanted to consider climate resilience and carbon emission reductions. That meant looking at going all electric. We had the engineer, he prepared a detailed memo looking at all the different options. If we went with the central boiler or ductless mini splits or VRFs or heat pumps. And so he put that list together and then we were able to get our contractor to give us quotes on what each system would cost 
And then we looked at the benefits of each system. I think it's typical for heat to be covered as a part of your rent, but not cooling. If you're doing a central system, the owner would be paying for both heating and cooling. After considering the pros and cons of the options presented by the engineer, HRI decided to install a central variable refrigerant flow, or VRF system, even though a central system meant that they would be paying for the heating and cooling within the apartments. From a physical perspective, that also opened up a couple of terrific opportunities. One, we had much less equipment on the roof, which gave us room for 105 kW PV array. And if we'd had individual condensers for every one of those 98 residents, we'd have a substantially less real estate on the roof. So that's one benefit. And the other is that it's a simultaneous system, which means that it could be heating in one unit and cooling in another unit at the same time. Being able to have heating in one unit and cooling in another at the same time is a benefit of VRF systems and a big contributor to resident comfort. And as Michelle pointed out, thanks to that VRF system, there was more room on the roof for a PV solar electric array, so the building could produce more of its own energy. And as it turned out, other green features, such as great ventilation, made the building more resilient when facing a pandemic. On our site visit, we got a chance to see how HRI was navigating COVID-19 at Finch. Finch opened in July 2020, so residents were moving in during a time of strict COVID-19 protocols in Massachusetts. Given the pandemic, welcoming residents into a healthy building felt more important than ever. We've just got to get this thing open so these families can move in. What can we do to get this done so that they can get into this healthy building? The team was able to stagger move-ins to minimize exposures. We established, you know, protocols for cleaning and maintaining during the move-in, and, and some of those will continue now. Just having a station at the elevator just for desanitizing your hands. Sanitation wasn't the only concern. They had to rethink the uses of those carefully designed common areas, too. Unfortunately, due to the pandemic, it hasn't been safe to gather in the large community spaces that they had worked so hard to include. They couldn't host farmers markets in the lobby as originally envisioned. So HRI pivoted to offering free produce pickups for residents provided by the Boston area gleaners. In addition to the lobby, the team was able to think creatively to repurpose some of the other common spaces. We had this very large community room and we decided to split it up slightly so that we could create these quiet study nooks so that if a child wanted to do their homework not in the house, they could go to these quiet study nooks. And that was pre-COVID, but it became so important during COVID. So the kids, when they were being homeschooled, we had a sign-in and sign-out sheet and um, the kids could use that space or even if an adult was working from home. With everyone working and learning from home, having a safe space to work outside of your own apartment is an important amenity. Sometimes it's difficult if you have four children at home and somebody's doing their homework and they have no quiet space. So that became a really cool amenity and, and one that was a pleasant surprise during COVID that we will continue to use and hopefully we'll have the rest of the open space open soon.
HRI has long been a leader in green and affordable housing, and Finch is exemplary. When we visited, we were struck by the thoughtfulness behind the building. It's centered on the comfort and the best interests of its residents. When I talk to the residents, everyone loves living there. It's such a, a happy place for them. And I think that we had a vision and we achieved that vision. It became a reality. So that, that really makes me happy and makes me proud. Through teamwork, Homeowners Rehab and Icon Architecture were able to build this ambitious project that is both green and healthy, that meets larger community needs within stringent site constraints and provides opportunities for connection and access to nature that meant even more in the middle of the pandemic. Michelle reflected on a successful project. I think our whole team someday We'll all get together for dinner and break bread after this because we never got to have kind of our final celebration when it opened. I, I would like to do that. I think we're all friends. We still like each other. It was not easy. These projects aren't. And I think that's a good sign of a great process. Thanks to Jane Carbone and Dan Tompkins for the tour of Finch and to Jane and Michelle Apigian for speaking with me for this episode. Special thanks to Finch resident Barbara for graciously welcoming us into her home during our tour. This is the Green in Action podcast, where we explore green leadership in affordable housing. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter at UHI Podcast. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for doing that. It really helps to spread the word. And if you want to read about another homeowner's rehab project, Auburn Court in Cambridge, check out the book that I wrote with Walker Wells, Blueprint for Greening Affordable Housing. The book is available from the publisher, Island Press, as well as Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Or you can search for Blueprint for Greening Affordable Housing at www.bookshop.org to support an independent bookstore near you. This episode was written and produced by Kimberly Vermeer and Clara Kaufman. Sound engineering and audio editing by Carl Isaac Krulowicz. Music by Matt Vermeer. Kimberly Vermeer is the executive producer. Green in Action is an Urban Habitat Initiatives production.